Happy Holidays! This is your path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Absolutely no Grinches allowed. Forget what you think you know about church and Christmas. The second advent candle is also purple and symbolizes peace. Also known as the Bethlehem candle, it signifies Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. Sometimes the second week's candle is used to symbolize faith. The peace candle symbolizes the peace that Jesus Christ brings to the world. It represents the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of Messiah, who would be the Prince of Peace. It reminds us that through the birth of Jesus, humanity can find reconciliation with God and experience inner peace. Gracious God, as we light the second candle of this Advent wreath, we seek your peace. In a world filled with turmoil, may the light of this candle remind us of the peace that only you can bring. Help us to be instruments of your peace in our homes, communities, and the world. Amen. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. God, God of timeless grace, you fill us with joyful expectation. Make us ready for the message that prepares the way that with uprightness of heart and holy joy we may eagerly await the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen.
of Jesus Christ, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my uh, messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way? The voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I will have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The true gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord the word of life. Okay, see you please. I say good afternoon to you. Get rid of this before it distracts me. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. Traditionally, the second Sunday of Advent belongs to John the Baptizer, by whose job it was to announce the imminent coming of the Christ. It's all four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The ministry of John the Baptizer prepares the way for the ministry of Jesus Christ. In all four Gospels, John the Baptizer is identified as the one who is prophesied in Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling. It's desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. The King is coming. The King is coming. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Fill in the valleys, level the mountains, smooth out the rough ground, because the King is coming. Preparing for the coming of the king means taking on a huge civil engineering project. Preparing for the coming of the king means going over every inch of the road with a fine tooth comb. Every boulder that has fallen into the road must be removed. Every place where the pavement is cracked must be repaired. Every pothole must be filled in. Even the loose gravel and sand that has accumulated must be swept away. That is the message of the prophet Isaiah. That is the message of John the Baptizer. That is the message of Advent. When the crowds came out to see John, and he told them the king is coming, prepare the way, repent. In all four Gospels, John the Baptizer preaches a, a message of repentance and offers a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance is a church's word. You don't hear it much outside church circles. Mm -hmm. Normal people don't 
usually talk about repentance. Repentance simply means turning away from sin. Hmm. Sin is a churchy word too. You don't hear it much outside of church circles. Old people don't usually talk about sin. Sin at its core is anything that turns us away from God and the path that he would have us follow. Alternatively, sin is anything that keeps us away from God by barricading our way into his presence. Repentance means turning away from that which turns us away from God. Repentance means taking down the barricades that keep us away from God. Sin breaks down our relationship with God. Repentance prepares us for restored relationship. Repentance is about preparing the way for our Lord, for the King. It's no accident that John the Baptizer links the idea of building a highway in the wilderness for the coming of the King. Mm. The idea of calling individuals to repentance. When the King comes again, which is what Advent is all about, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, but the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. The justice of this broken world will not last forever. Things will be made right. Everything that obstructs justice will be removed. Everything that corrupts will be made right. That is a promise. This isn't just a promise for the distant future. This isn't just a promise for society. This is a promise for you and for me, too. For every person who accepts the Lordship of the King, the Lordship of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is active, bringing about his promise for us. The Hebrew word we use most often in the Old Testament to talk about repentance is shuv, S-H-E-U-V, or shuv. It means to turn around, to return. It means to stop going in the wrong direction and turn back in the right direction. It means to stop going away from God and turn around so that we, are, we can go towards God. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord of hosts says to his people, <clears throat> Return to me, and I will return to you. In the New Testament, the Greek word most often used to talk about repentance is metanoia. It means to change your mind, to, to be co- converted from one way of thinking to another way of thinking. In Luke chapter 24, verse 46 through 47, Jesus tells his disciples to preach repentance and forgiveness to all people. Metanoia and forgiveness. In Peter's first two sermons in Acts 2 and 3, the call to metanoia, to repentance, figures prominently. In Acts chapter 17 and 26, it's Paul who is preaching of metanoia to the philosophers and kings. If you're like me, when you think about repentance, when you picture repentance, you picture that first big major turning when someone whose life is completely away from the Lord, someone who doesn't know the Lord, someone who rejected the Lord, someone who is living completely out of the path that the Lord would have, turns for the first time comes to know the Lord, and receives Him as King, as Lord, as Savior. They turn for the first time. They repent. And their life begins to change as God's grace works on them. That's valid. That's repentance. But repentance also has to do with the little and not so little changes and turns that those of us who are seeking to walk with the Lord continuously have to make. It's not a one-time thing at the beginning of the relationship, but it's a program of maintenance throughout relationship. And the, that's, that's the piece of, it's a piece of it I want to talk about mostly today. Now picture it this way. In this life, God desires for us to be, to walk in perfect fellowship with Him. 
in perfect relationship with him. Now, this involves several things. To walk in perfect fellowship with God means keeping our eyes turned toward him. Anything that causes us to look away because something else has drawn our attention disrupts our fellowship with him. Anything that causes us to look down or close our eyes in fear or shame or despair disrupts our fellowship with him. To walk in perfect fellowship with God means walking without hesitation or stumbling. Anything that causes us to trip or watch the passage disrupts our fellowship with him. To walk in perfect fellowship with God means walking the path that he sets before us. Anything that causes us to turn to the left, which is right, and set off of the path disrupts our fellowship with him. In this life, we are broken people living in a broken world. Our walk will be disrupted. It's unavoidable. We will encounter things that draw our attention in another direction. We will experience things that cause us to look down or close our eyes in a spiritual sense. We will make choices that take us off the path God sets before us. We will be sidetracked by others' choices in ways that threaten to knock us off the path God sets before us. Right? Our path will be strewn with obstacles. We will trip and even fall. We will come up against barricades that block our way entirely. Our God is gracious. He forgives. Through Christ, He does not hold against us all. Through Christ, He does not hold against us all the times we turn away or trip or hit a wall. Our God forgives. Our God desires that we return to the path. That's where repentance comes in. Repentance about our will to return, our regret for the disruption, our decision to turn to him, our will to look to him and to follow his lead once again. Repentance is about preparing the way for change, turning to face a new direction, reorienting ourselves completely from, from aiming in one direction to aiming in a whole new direction. Repentance is not just feeling sorry. Well, that's part of it. Repentance is about realizing you're heading in the wrong direction, admitting it, Regretting it, making the decision to turn, and then turning all by the grace of God and with his help. If I admit I'm heading in the wrong direction, but neglect to turn around, I will keep on heading in the wrong direction. Not just any sorrow, it's godly sorrow. I can be sorry that I got caught. I can be sorry that I made a fool, made myself look like a fool. I can be sorry that I caused trouble for myself. I can be sorry that I was hurt or made uncomfortable with what I did or did not do the direction I went to. Godly sorrow, the sorrow that leads to repentance, is something different. Godly sorrow isn't directed toward myself. It's directed toward God. In godly sorrow, I'm sorry that I caused God to grieve, that I turned away from him and went in another direction. In godly sorrow, I'm sorry for the pain that I caused God. I'm sorry for the pain I'm causing God to pain to retrieve me from my sin. In godly sorrow, I'm more concerned about God than myself. Repentance is the outcome of godly sorrow. Repentance is a, a change of mind that results in a change of direction. Repentance means turning away from actions that are not pleasing to God, such as gossiping about your brothers and sisters in Christ's work, engaging in unethical business practices at work. Repentance means Turning away from inaction that is not pleasing to God, such as neglecting to come to the aid of someone in need, or neglecting to come together in worship on a regular basis. Repentance means 
returning to, to the road that God sets before us. It also has to do with keeping the road in good repair. Every time I have an unworthy thought of lust, or hate, or revenge, or greed, it is as though a piece of gravel is strewn along the path. I can wrestle, wrestle the thought down and go on. But if I do not also act to sweep the gravel away, eventually there will be a lot of gravel on my path. My risk of, of slipping increases, especially when I'm caught in stormy weather. And if I do fall, the risk of being hurt increases. Gravel cuts. And when it gets embedded in the skin, it can get infected. In this broken world, I cannot completely prevent the gravel of unworthy thoughts and that type of thing from littering my path. But I can seek to keep my path swept clean. I can identify the gravel, name it, surrender it to God, and be forgiven. God's forgiveness, as it acts upon me, sweeps away the gravel. Go with me so far? We have analogies here. Repentance has to do with keeping the path swept clean. Gravel that is not swept away can accumulate. Boulders can be formed that way. When my path is strewn with boulders, I risk more than slipping. <laughs> I risk being brought to a halt altogether in my journey with God, in my journey of being healed, of, of being shaped, of growing, of serving, of becoming more trusting. Repentance can take care of boulders too. God's grace has tremendous power. It's harder, though, not harder for God, but harder for us. If we can, it's better to take care of the gravel as it comes. Bear with me as I, as I stretch this metaphor just a little bit more. Every time I fall victim to the unloving words of action or, and actions of others, every time I fall victim to the unloving words and actions of others, it is as though a chip is carved out of the pavement, pavement along that path. It's not even my sin. But my path is disrupted. For example, when a, when a spouse is on the receiving end of demeaning words, or even a silent glance of ridicule or hatred, it's as though an axe has come down on the pavement leaving a dent. The bigger the blow, the bigger the broken place. Regular, repeated, intense hurt, whether it's betrayal, or neglect, or shaming, or physical harm, or any kind of abuse, can be like the action of a jackhammer, throwing bits of pavement hither and yon as, as a gaping hole is formed. Even subtle hurts, none of them large, if they happen over a long enough time period, can be the slow, destructive action of freezing and thawing water. Potholes have been known to form roads that way. Potholes formed abruptly or slowly, make it difficult to travel without stumbling. Potholes that turn to sinkholes can impede the journey altogether. Water tends to gather in potholes, too. If it's not drained, it eventually turns nasty and smelly. In this broken world, I cannot completely be protected from falling victim to the unloving words and actions of others. But I can be attentive to the broken places. I can identify them. I can name them. I can surrender them to God, and I can forgive. With God's help and with the help of others in time, I can identify them. I can name them. I can surrender them to God, and I can forgive. In that process, in my forgiveness, the grace of God comes in and heals the chips, the dips, the potholes, and even the sinkholes. Repentance has to do with repairing the breaches, too. In this case, it's called forgiveness. Releasing the debt. 
choosing to lay down the bitterness. Repentance in this way, turning unforgiveness to forgiveness, can open the little stuff and the big stuff to God's healing. For the sinkholes, it's just harder. Not hard for God, but harder, harder for us. So if we can, with God's help and with the help of our brothers and sisters, it's better to take care of the broken places as they occur. Repentance is not something we have to do just once, and then we can forget about it. Throughout our lives, we take wrong turns. Like Paul, the good we want to do, we do not do. And the evil we do not want to do, we do. Throughout our lives, we take wrong turns and go in the wrong direction. Throughout our lives, we face times when we need to turn around and change direction. Throughout our lives, we fall victim to the unloving words and actions of others. Throughout our lives, obstacles come to our path through our choices and, and caused by the choices of others. So repentance isn't something we just want to forget about. It. Also throughout our lives, as we grow in Christ, sometimes boulders come to our attention that we didn't even know about before. I mean, the boulder was always there, but we didn't recognize it. We just adapted our walk to go around it or alongside it, or maybe we didn't realize we were stuck up against it. Sometimes the boulder is so large that we can't go around it. Our wall just stops. We come up against the, the boulder and we conclude that this is where the world ends. There's nothing beyond. But then one day Jesus reopens our eyes to see the boulder, to notice that it's not, it's not supposed to be there, to begin to hope that this is not where the world ends. There's more. Repentance is our part of, of opening our hearts to God's work of clearing away those boulders. Advent is a time of preparation. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged place a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Amen. This is the same way that I, that I talk about repentance in other times. When I talk about repentance, it's not just saying I'm sorry. It's, it's a lot more to it. Saying I'm sorry, recognizing the fact that I've done something wrong, mm -hmm. and trying not to do it again. Don't, having some remorse about it and trying not to do it again. It's not just saying I'm sorry. You know, go steal the gun at Walmart, and you walk out of the with that one, and I do that, I'm so sorry, chewing the gun, going, and the arms are trying to get rid of it, I do that, and you're not saying do it again. You're not saying do it again. You're not saying do it again. You're not repenting. You don't care. You're just, you're just being a thief. <laughs> okay. We're going to North and Drag stealing some beans. That too. Not a place to judge, though. I was bored. But I'm... I wasn't. I wasn't. Our, our friends, some of our friends, have that hobby. Mm -hmm. And I hate to see it because I hate to see what happens when they go to jail. I don't, I, jail's not a good place for anybody. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's not. It's not. And I don't wish anybody... I really don't wish anybody to go to jail unless, you know, unless it's... But you guys go steal like that and be stupid. I can't do anything to help you. You can learn a lot from the dummy. Pray for them. We pray for them. That's what we do. We pray for them. It is time for everybody's favorite part of the service. That's right, the announcements.
you know, you know Gavin, right? Gavin, before we even start, the reason I started this thing is because Gavin, because when I'm saying the announcement, I'm bringing up the announcement, he'd go, the announcements! Like, just the most annoying little voice, and just loud, and just, so even when I did this, he would say, you know, it's time for it. Everyone's favorite part of the service is a little pause here, he'd go, the announcements! You all can still hear it. Every time he puts that little pause, we still hear it going, the announcements! <coughs> in the video, so in the video, he could, like, literally silence him, and just have the video playing <laughs> in the video. Yep. That way he would hear it. Alright, the are each. Pray at LCLT.com. It's an email address, folks. If you have a prayer request, any kind of prayer request, you can send us that email address or you can go to and click on prayer request. We uh, we pray every day here at Dallas Select Church. You can ask your prayers to be said during our daily prayers or during our prayers on Sunday with the entire congregation. You can read an artist, you can give us your name. Just go to DallasLC.com, click on prayer request, or send us an email at pray at DallasLC.com. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, or complaints. Very simple. If you have one of those, you can use the email address here that's going to be feedback. At DallasUOC.com, or again, go to DallasUOC.com and click on Contact Us, where you can fill out a form and give us a compliment, concern, suggestion, or complaint. You can make a difference. This church is, is uh, comprised entirely of volunteers. We are all volunteers. No one takes salary on myself. And we don't make it in this world. We don't keep going in this world without support from our congregants here through volunteering and through tithing and through people out in podcast building and YouTube land, and in the world. Um, and I, I know that times are tough for everybody. I get it. I do. But if you believe in this message we're trying to get out there, the true meaning of Christianity, what it really means, not what it's become, what it really means. And if you believe in an all-loving, all-forgiving God, who's approachable, and you have a conversation with, if you believe in this message we're trying to get out to the world of love, Please consider making a donation to Dallas Reader's Life Church. Because the only way we can get people towards helping is through donations and tithes. And um, it's not cheap to make a church. We all know that at the end of the week. Um, and I had to learn every more. Every more of that every single day we go on here. So if you can, please visit DallasLC.com and click on Donate. We are a 501 organization. Donations are tax deductible. That tax is a good thing to know, right? Okay. Now, it never fails. Whenever I talk about money, I get to make a Bishop, 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 I love the church. I want to help. Right, I'm broke. I need money. I can't, can't help you. <clears throat> well, I say, you know what? Okay, you're broke. I'm broke too. Just do what we do. Your time is your money. There's never enough hours in the day for us to get everything done here at the church. You can always use help. And that's where volunteering comes in. So if you go to DallasRC.com, once again, click on volunteer. Then you find a list of the volunteers we have available. If you like something there, it's okay. Come on in. Trust me, I will find some work for you to do. There's plenty to do here. There t- every day that we, that we close down here, at the end of the day, something is not done. Something doesn't get done. And, and it's, it's, it's frustrating. When we had a list of money to get done, it's just not an hour in the day to get done. We can always use more help. Please. Don't switch your comp. Click on volunteer. What's up? I'm just saying, just watch your arm. I'm close to your arm. You into the, the fire. Yeah, I'm going a little bit. Closer. Closer. I don't know. We're eating fires. Okay. Here it comes. Wash your hands, 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 wash your
You touch everything with your hands, folks. Everything. We do, that's what we do in this world. And we touch other things with our hands, and we touch other things with our hands. It's the, the most common way for us to spread disease, even more than just airborne stuff. This, your hands are what do it. Because you know what you do? You go over here and you touch this doorknob, right? You open the doorknob and let somebody in. And I go over here and go like this. It's soon enough, right? But the person that walked before me closed that, that door, forgot to wash their hands when they came out of the bathroom. What do I have on my hands now? Yeah. Basically. So, can't control what everybody else does, but you sure do it. Control what you do. Uh, I don't care what, I mean, what you eat, you wash your hands. When you go outside, you wash your hands. If you go to bed, you wash your hands. You get in the room, you wash your hands. You go to the bathroom, you wash your hands. You scratch your ass, you wash your hands. Look, I'm, I'm tired of this coronavirus crap. I really am. And, and, and for a while there, we kind of got complacent. I was kind of just going to die a little bit, cool off. And everything was wonderful. Stop wearing our masks. Stop washing our hands. Well, it's, it's back. It's, it's back with the vengeance. These things are going to happen. That's why I explain to you every time. There, there are booster shots. These shots that they give us, the, the, these, these vaccines. The reason they don't give us booster shots is because what happens is some people don't go get the vaccine. Okay? That virus then attacks them. Right? Then it mutates through them and then can attack people who already have a vaccine because it's something different than that vaccine. So a booster shot has to be made to now combat that version of the virus. If all of us would wash our hands, if all of us would get vaccinated, this this would go away. It's not going to happen that way, obviously, because we're going to be talking about it. But if we all it would, it would be a perfect world. So what can we do about that? We can wash our hands. Please wash your hands. Okay? It's the most simple thing you can do to protect your life and everybody else's around you. Please wash your hands. There's a problem with kindergarten, sometimes when I say that, but you know what? It has to be said, it really does. Okay. Now we need some more music here. A little slideshow for you of some beautiful pictures of my past. <laughs> oh, man. Look at Mark and Santa Claus is around. Isn't that sweet? Like Santa Claus. It's your time. Okay. <laughs> it's going through a lot of years there. What were seven, eight? Well, no, this is probably about, about four. Four years all here. I'm probably about six here. Five or six. <laughs> I'm early 20s here. This is 30s. Yeah, late 40s. I was, this was 1970. Six, seven, seven. <laughs> I think it was on tree five that year. Mm -hmm. We had to come, we cut Christmas parts. It's my grandfather. Mm -hmm. There. 
It's my uncle here. They're, they're holding, my birthday's on the picture of December, so it's like around Christmas. So we're having a couple of Christmas party. We brought the cake out. I remember it was jailed on the cat. Pa- my grandfather was looking good like you back then. I mean, he was so sick. They bring the cake out, and my uncle goes, okay, so lift the cake. <laughs> and one of my favorite pictures is this one right here. This is like my grandfather and I at the company. And I, he did, he's, you know, I'm putting up, we're putting up tents along the tree. It's just a great picture. Anyway, okay, why are we talking about this? Super Saiyan, I just relied on you folks. What else happened? Super Saiyan, what did you do? Sunday the 24th, we're going to turn that bag here. Why? Okay, so please don't forget to do it. It's a $10 limit. And please remember it's not white elephant. It's Secret Santa. So please, accordingly. Okay? Alright, let's just remind you. I want to show you a few pictures into in the Christmas spirit a little bit. Mm-hmm. You got really loud. You start talking. Huh? We started talking. Like, uh, the music got really loud. I love it. Well, we got quiet when I got quiet. Alright, it's what we made it. So this half. This half. Half time. You know, I said you three quarters time because the next little piece should be very quick. We didn't do it last week. We were a little, little talk this week or something. Okay. Oh, that's before I go. Before we go for this. Good news. And I'm, I'm excited about it and nervous about it as well. Uh, as many of you know, we're on a network called the Pastor Sean Conrad Office Network. B-S-C-O-T-D Network. It's where um, we have channels there, we have channel 8, and that downstairs is like church, where I was basically this week. Yay! Yesterday I spoke to Pastor Corin, and uh, he offered me a, uh, a live show. So, uh, I'm going to take this live, a live talk show, if you will, of calling guests, and guests that I can have, like, if I'd like, we're going to do round table, if you want, whatever I want to do, really. But mostly a call-in show where people can call in, we can do counseling, we can do talking, we can do about scripture, we can do a lot of stuff we do at the round tables on, on phone. Mm-hmm. And um, it's live. So, you know, you, you, you all have been here, you all been here, we're going to do some editing, right? So it's going to be interesting. And, and, um, and we're doing a uh, dry run on Tuesday. It's going to be quick and seven thirty. We're going to do a dry run this Tuesday and see how that goes. And so I just ask for your prayers for me and for everybody else out there to help us with this and hopefully it's a successful ministry and keep going. I really don't have time for it. I don't. I'm, 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 my schedules are way over my head. But this is an opportunity I could not pass on. So, bear with us. We'll get through it. Okay? Alright. Let's go ask for please. Thank you. to your path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. What do you like? What do you not like? What do you want to keep? What do you want to get rid of? Today we talked about what? We talked about uh, repentance. repentance. And? Forgiveness. What else? Repair. Um, we also talked about uh, 
Yeah. Yes. What was the big word we had in there? It was like a subject. Um, it, it meant what he just said, but I don't know what the word is. Wait, no, no, no. No, 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 that. Your regular. Don't let me back up the title proper now. Come on. What? You don't remember? Repentance was part of it. We took out another thing that was preparing the way for God, right? That's repentance, right? right? Mm -hmm. What was the other thing, though? What, retribution? No. Um, he said, 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 we talked about it there on, on, on the international mm -hmm. sermon today. So we talked about how it's not a one-time thing. Right, you gotta do it's a continuous thing. It's something we have to work on all the time. Why? Because you know, you rebuild it. And we don't want to repeat it. And you don't want to repeat it. Well, uh, what else? I mean, we can't control it. We we can't control other people. We don't want to hurt the, uh, anybody who's, uh, you know, this path is... You know, we don't want to hurt somebody else's path. And we and we do. Yeah. Inevitably. We affect other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yes. So how? How how do we do that? By being in their lives. Being in their lives isn't bad. And or well that that that, that changes your behavior. It affects the path. That's how you but us being in their lives is not is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm trying to look at what what is something that we we're gonna avoid or learn from repentance that would that we have done to cause harm in somebody else's life or on their path. Lied on them. Any sin. Hmm? Any sin. Sin toward them especially. Yeah. You know, um, you talked about uh, abuse toward mm -hmm. your spouse, uh, a hateful look, mm -hmm. um, gossip. Mm -hmm. Rumors. Rumors. Lies. When you lie, usually it's not just you, it's usually involving somebody else. So you have to think about that. You know, you what you do affects everybody around you. And you have to tell another one because when you told. And not, not everybody in this world is lucky enough to understand what repentance is and what it means to repent. You know, they, they say, I'm sorry, and it's over with. And that's not, it's not over. It's not, because you have a lot of the people out there that were affected by that. Yeah, but it has to start with sorry, and then it, it has to, over time, Show that sort of you know. Sorry is the first part of that yeah. repentance. It's like I talked about you said earlier about the bowl gum and Walmart. Mm -hmm. It's so it's very basic, but it's very important to understand it that way. When you keep going back, keep doing the same thing. You don't day, you're, never, you're not repenting. You're you're, you're acting. You're saying I'm sorry. And you're going to do the same damn thing. It's not you're not changing your life. You're not trying to be. I want a different side this time. I want some black one. You know. Yeah, but it's like um, it's starting like you, the person that's forgiving. The person that's repenting, you've got to allow them to to show you that as well. Like we can't. We can't. We have. We have to forgive. Yeah, and so like, not for them. Don't hold it over well, their head. Know. Don't don't make it to where it's you know a thing like you know, because it's just gonna make them want you know you know slip up again. And maybe keep maybe you know, harassing maybe. them. Forgiveness should never be held over anybody's head as as a as anything a ransom or a reward or anything like that. Forgiveness is not, not for the other person anyway. You forgive for yourself. 
and you forward. What happens if you don't? It festers. What does? Can we go through it now? Look, we take all this. You got these people that pissed you off. You got these people that you think owe oh, you a party. They owe you something, right? They take done you wrong. They've done you wrong. And you take on a whole lot of those feelings of, of hate and anger and, and, and want revenge. And you take it and you stuff it down. And you just push it down inside your body. And you just <laughs> hold on to it. You hold on to it. Hold on to it. And it sits there. What does it do inside you? It gets to fester. What does that mean? It's a nasty word. What does it mean? Um, grows and it, it, it goes rancid. It turns into pus and infection and disgusting crap in your body. And I know it seems like those actions cannot cause a physical change in somebody, but I'm a firm believer in those holding on to those, those negative emotions, that hate and that 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 anger, those, those things that even guilt, those things that you, you shove down inside your body that you just you don't want to deal with and you just, just hold on to it. I, I'm a firm believer that causes illnesses like cancer, leukemia, uh, heart disease, mental disorders. Gas. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going suicide. To We're not going to Anxiety. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Suicide. Mental illness. I, I believe those that that, that that holding on to all of that negativity can kill you. And it will kill you. So what do we do? Why why do we forgive then? How do we forgive? To reduce that negative energy. How do you do it though? This person did you wrong. They have no remorse. They don't give a damn. So forgive yourself first for you got to figure something you can do wrong. Listen to it. You should do. Love. That's believe it. It all comes down to what? Loving yourself. Loving each other. Four other word. <laughs> the only commandment that Jesus Christ gave us, which is, love one another as I have loved you. Period. That's it. End of story. If you can do that, I mean, the way he loved us, how do you love us? He gives he gives life for us. He gives us his son. Okay. He gives us everything. So. He gives us everything. <laughs> and, and, and an amazing, amazing love of, of, to, from him to us. This unconditional love. Without God's love bestowed upon us, we wouldn't have it. Because we couldn't create it. His love is a gift to us. And that gift we can have, and then now, now because we have that gift from God, we can pass it on to others. We choose not to a lot of times. So that's the commandment he gave us. Love one another as I love you. If you do that, all those commandments that are given to us, or all the 600 and some odd rules that the Jews have made and laws and whatnot, all the rules that the Catholic Church has given us and things that we even know and have to do, all those basically you don't need to worry about anymore. Do you know why? If you're loving each other the way God loves, the way Jesus Christ loved us, you're already doing all those things. Those, those rules and those commandments and those laws and those those were meant to bring us to that pinnacle at the top of loving one another as Jesus loved us. That's, that's the point you want to be at. And those little stepping stones are how to get there. So if you're able to get up there and do that and love one another as I love you, as Jesus loved us, it's, it's a place of peace. <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy once you get there. It's not. It's not. Because look, there's always going to be somebody out there who you don't like. I'm not saying you have to like it all. I'm saying you have to love them all because mm. they're your brother and sister, because they're part of you. They are your family. They are. Bad as nails. You don't take a bath. Go what you want to do. It doesn't matter. Look, you got people. You got people in this world. You got you got 
mothers who put their babies in microwaves. Who put, who put a baby in the microwave? You heard of that one? Oh, that's the... Turn the baby in the microwave and turn it on. Oh, not the one that we saw that. Was she on the ground? Kitchen counter? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. She killed the baby. The baby was crying and she took a knife and shut it up. Yeah. And looked on the counter and went back to bed. Yeah. And after oh, she didn't do anything. How do you love that person? How do you love that person? You understand. Yeah. You understand who they are. You, can, you may not be able to. Yeah, and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta try. It's what it comes down to. You gotta love them. Yeah. It's what it comes down to. You must love them. You don't have to like what they do. You don't have to like what they, what they act. You don't have to like them at all. But you must love them. What's the difference? A big difference. Love is not always unconditional. Love will try and give us the love that he wants to be returned for it. Just like we talk about being men and women for others here, right? Men and women for others, giving the gift of our silence, our time, our abilities, our money. We're asking for anything in return for that. That's the whole point. We're giving a gift. A gift is something I give to you. It's now yours. I have no control over it. You do it as you will. You can throw it in the trash. That's your, that's your option. It's, I gave it to you. It's done. I don't have any ill strings attached to it. And that's the point we have to make here about thinking things like love. And our ability and giving for many for others. If you say I'm gonna give you this, but you have to do this for me and forgive you, that's not a gift. That's a contract. People get that confused all the time. They say, I love you, but you need to do this for me. You have to do this for me. You earn my love and let me love you more. No. Hmm. Friendships can be like that. So the whole idea of this this whole church, this whole idea, this whole world, this whole life we're living is to do what? To love one another and try to love you. If you can do that, I'll tell you something. Mm -hmm. place, wouldn't it? <laughs> See, I don't have to like the Don burnt and farts in, in my in my in my in my, in my services. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. I don't have to like that at all. But I still love him. I can explain you. I'm not okay. Great. How many years? Over 30 years. I'm 25, 26, somewhere now. I'm going to be 50. So it's over 30 years. No, 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 no. Like 30, so what? Like 33, 4. No. Okay, stop. Don's 16. Don turned 16 this year. Congratulations. And thank you very much. Look, you and I, we both. 30 years ago, you and I both had no I idea, no, no concept of ever making it to this age. Mm -hmm. we, we were on a road of <laughs> mayhem, destruction, um, self mutilation, mm -hmm. and we did a good job of it. Self is more than included. <laughs> Absolutely. If I can't handle it, you can't handle it. There's a couple of, couple of options to come up to that. Mm -hmm. Either only the good die young, and we're still here. No, what you heard, something went wrong. Or, that all happened for a reason, and, and we have God has a bigger purpose. I know that. I'm, I'm grateful. Look, I'm going to get out. I turned 50 on, on Friday. Woo -hoo. Woo -hoo. I was told in 1998 that I had 10 years to live. And I acted accordingly. I blew it out my ass. I mean, I, went, I didn't care at that point. I'm going to live like, I'm going to have fun by the next 10 years. Turned out, I, that didn't happen. And now the, the thing that was going to cause me to be gone in 10 years is now gone out of my body. I caution doctors all the time about saying things like that. Like, 
McCullough gives you, you know, this, this is older you have. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's long term, but you, you have five to five to seven years you're gone. But mm -hmm. it's not so true. Yeah. It's not so true. You learn that you're out of born. Yeah. Right. What? 89? Mm -hmm. I mean, 98? Yeah. You is a baby. Mm -hmm. I was in 1998 that I was told that I had two years to the next He's also near my grandfather passed away. That's a tough year for me. But look, the point is, it's <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm yeah. grateful. Grateful for being here. It, it's it's hard Change to turn. I'm having a real problem with this, this number fifty. I'm having a real problem with it. Oh, midlife crisis! You no, know, I've already been through that. I've already been through that. What? And if he'll tell you, worried about it or what? It's yeah. just, it's just the, the, the number fifty. Fifty. It's, it's just. I can't explain. Thirty was kind of hard for me because it was you know getting out of those twenties. Oh my God, you're grown up now, right? 40 wasn't so bad. 40 was hard. That, that was real hard for me. That was a big deal. Guys in their 40s have fun. They do. We did, didn't we? I don't know. 50? 50 is like, no, it's, it's over over the hill. You're like going down <laughs> now. You're, you're, that's it. You're going to go gray hair. You're going to go bald. You're going to, you know. But life is what you make. You're on the downside. Right. Right. It's just the stereotypes stuck in my head. It is. And if you let those stereotypes stick in your head, it causes those things to come true. You can't manifest them. You can't. I don't have a turkey neck yet. Well, poor pal's over here. Going, we'll shut up. <laughs> Here's the thing: Don Don went through his fifties, right? He did. Do you think he had a bad fifties? He sure smells like it. <laughs> did, you, did you have? Did you have a good ten? Yeah. So I mean, <coughs> it's possible. It's always look, possible. I'll, look, I, I know that, and, and I, 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 this is just a hump I've got to get over, and I will. But I mean, there's no difference between when you were 49. People in our in our society, in, in, in no, our age, our generation. I'm talking about I'm talking about generation. I'm talking about the gay world we lived in at the time right. in our 20s and 30s. When you turn 30, oh, you out. You're dead. You're dead. You are nobody in in that world anymore. That's how superficial it was. I don't think it's that way anymore. It isn't. But you understand that that's what I mean, that's the world we immerse ourselves in at the time, and to hit that thirty and go, oh shit! I I nobody to know it. They don't care about me. Anymore. And you know, it felt like that for a while. Mm -hmm. they would, I'm they would to ourselves. I was very too. But still, yeah. it wasn't really about like, relationships, uh -huh. about friendships, and, and, mm -hmm. and anything. It just it just felt like you know, anyway. So anyway. That's coming up Friday. I'm not appealing. I'm not. I'm, I don't look good enough. No. Um, I don't that, have that, the that body. That's happened to you. Yeah, that, that's happened with me more than anything. I'm doing gray hair. It's what's wrong here. This is this is the my weight right now is the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I I, I've been, I know. I'm a poor kid. I was 135 pounds from for age 15 until about 45. <laughs> okay, I now weigh 160. And I I don't think I look fat. I think I look, I think I look too good on me. When did baby do? No, I got to be. I know you got to be. Both, <laughs> both sides. So, just to kind of bring it all together here, guys. Yeah. Why do we talk about. I mean, this is Advent. And Advent is what? It's, it's the four weeks before Christmas. Christmas. We're way preparing the way. Where we hear that today? Preparing mm -hmm. the way, right? For the coming of the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. So, these four weeks are, are weeks of preparation. They're weeks of. Kind of introspective looking at ourselves and our lives and going, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing here to, to make 
our bodies, our vessels, our lives ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what the point is here. We have to be ready for that. It's, I know it seems like it's a day of presents and giving you whatnot that I'm creating Christmas. But it's very significant to, to remember that we have to prepare ourselves for His coming. And that's what these four weeks are. And that's why these lessons are so important to try and realize and, and put it into our lives. Not just talk about it as a story, mm-hmm. but actually have some personal connection to it and bring it in and understand what we're doing here. Okay? I mean, think about the, the, the mountains come down and, and come flat. The valleys come up and become at level. The gravel all clears out because... No, it's coming in a clear way. A clear way for the Lord to come and, 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 and be Lord. Give yourself the best gift. What's your best gift? The best gift is love. Absolutely. And if you love yourself, then your, your, path, your path will grow. And be a lot what do I do? Well, if you don't, then you got a give yourself that gift. Where, where do I get it from? Yourself. If I don't have love for myself, the Lord. we talked about that earlier. There's only one place we can get love we don't have it for ourselves. We decide to other people. We can do it for us all we want. It's really not going to work. Yeah, we're going to accept it, right? Mm-hmm. We have to open our minds, our bodies, our souls up to God. Because God's the one that provided us with that love to begin with and continues to give us the unusual love every single day that we turn our back on Him and we continue to praise Him. And by the way, either way, He unconditionally loves us and we have to do the same to our brothers and sisters out there. Because you know what? That's what I talked about earlier. He, think about this. Think about all the sins we do. All the things we do every single day against Him, the way we turn our back on Him, we sin again, we do it blatantly. Yet He goes, I love you. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do. Okay. Next Sunday, I will be uh, a year older. Look, he's still pulling up. He'll just he's be seven, the plane. He'll be seven more days older. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I wish my mother, I wish my mother was all alive to see this. I just wish she was still here because she would be. She'd be calling me every five minutes going, 50, huh? I'm going to tell you what, it's going to get easier. She said, 49, 48. Is your butt sagging yet? You got the curtain, you got the gobble on your chin? She'd call it my alabaster orb. Those are going to be good. Let's pray our way out of here, God. Don't worry about it yet. Those are nice. Oh! Let's see what happens. If you happen to see my credentials laying around, I cannot find them. Find it, yes. I can't. So if you're out here to see them, just let me know. Okay? On the floor in there. On the floor in there. Let's go. Where? Did Thank you y'all. say you like his orb? Oh! <laughs> I said that one for good. Thank y'all for your patience today. Good. Mm-hmm. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to come together as we so recognize your name, praise your name, and accept your love that you have so freely given to us and unconditionally given to us. Lord, please help us to do the same with others. Help us to love one another as you have loved us in every single way. Lord, also help us to prepare the way for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the next couple of weeks. Help us to know what you're asking of us. Help us to know what you want from us in this preparation time of Advent. Um, Lord, watch over me and my family and all of us this special week as we uh, embark on another year for the pastor here. We'll see you all next day. Have a great week. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Jesus' name we pray. Let's yeah. go.